Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a blog post talking about Sherry Lewis. And it was probably the best received blog post I've had this year. Sherry Lewis, for those who don't know, uh, used to host kids' shows. She was a ventriloquist with Sherry Lewis, and uh, her main puppet was Lamb Chop. Uh, but during the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, she hosted a variety of children's shows. She was incredibly talented, incredibly nice. And in the post, I talked about uh, a personal uh, encounter with Sherry Lewis. Anyway, uh, since the reaction was so great, I thought, well, let's find out a little bit more about her. And so this week, my guest is Sherry Lewis' daughter, Mallory Lewis, who has continued the tradition and uh, goes out on the road and performs with Lamb Chop. But we get a real inside look at who Sherry Lewis really was. Very impressive woman. She won like 12 or 13 Emmys. She won a Peabody Award. She even won a Benet Brith Award. So there you go. In addition to being a great ventriloquist. She was also a great dancer. And she's been playing the piano since she was like three. Uh, she co-wrote an episode of Star Trek, the original Star Trek, and she's conducted symphony orchestras. Yeah, fascinating person, and it's a fun interview. You are going to love meeting Mallory Lewis this week on Hollywood and Levine. So about a month or so ago, I did a blog post and I talked about seeing your mom in 1974. This was San Diego at Belmont Park, which was like a, an old amusement park. And I was there with a friend and we were walking around and we saw Sherry Lewis today at three o'clock in the big tent. So, like, yeah, yeah, okay, Sherry Lewis was my first crush. Why not? So we go, it's like a quarter of three. There's nobody in the tent. And I said, Let's, I want to sit in the front row because I want to be able to see her mouth. <laughs> so we sit in the front row. Oh, come on. You were a teenage boy. You wanted to see something other than her yeah, mouth. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I wanted to see Charlie Horse uh -huh. close up. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I wanted to see the hush puppies. Uh -huh. so, uh, <laughs> so now it's like a minute to three, and there's maybe five people total in this tent. It seats probably 150 and and she came out, and I thought, 
you know, if she were to say, hey, guys, I'm not doing this for five people. Go on the fucking roller coaster. Uh, You know, we would have gone. We get it. No problem. She did her entire show. She wasn't doing the show for you. She was doing the show for her. She loved performing. And my mom um, was the most disciplined person I know. She once was in, I don't know, someplace really flipping cold. And in between her sound check and the show, a massive snowstorm came. And I guess like there were like three people in the audience. And this was during the height of Lamb Chup's play along. So she was packing stadiums literally then. And um, she came out and did her show. And uh, she, you know, she said, if you struggle through the snow to get here, you deserve a, snow- a show. And um, years later, I was performing in Huntington, Long Island, Huntington, New York, and at a uh, big open bandshell, um, lovely performing arts center. And it, it there was a tornado warning or a hurricane warning. And there were 60 people sitting on the grass holding umbrellas above their head during a lightning storm. And the guy who ran the uh, venue said, well, we can't open the, we can't even bring them on the stage and open the band shell because of the rain. So I went out and I said, everybody, I go, first of all, put down your umbrellas. Are you stupid? (laughs) I said, look, they can't open the band shell, but if you come backstage, I'll do two 30 minute shows and 30 of you at a time can squeeze into my dressing room. And so needless to say, the next year, Huntington had me back. And I asked the audience, I go, how many of you were here? How many of the 60 who were here last year are here now? And about 50 people were. And I've performed there regularly since then. Um, it's my favorite place to perform because my son and I always go to Fire Island for a couple of days before or after the show. Um, and he calls the show for me, as he has been doing since he was eight. He's now 22. Um finishing his master's in international science and technology at Georgetown, working part-time for the DOD, full-time for some other company. But I have a gig in December in um, Boston, and he's taking a day off of work to come up and call my show for me because he's a good boy. What a good boy. He's a good boy. So when you were growing up, I mean, as a kid, like Sherry Lewis was my first crush. And we all wanted Sherry Lewis, not yours. Shatner was my first crush. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm over it. (laughs) Yeah, I would hope. I would (laughs) hope. Well, we all thought, oh man, how cool to have Sherry Lewis as your mother. What was was it like to have Sherry Lewis as your mother? We had a great time. She was not an ordinary mom. Like she didn't do carpools. She didn't bake cookies. Um, she was a working mom, so she worked a lot, um, but she was, you know, she, she was my best friend. Yeah, and I, I imagine it's got to be weird because we all had this idealized yeah. version of her. We never had Sherry Lewis yell at us for not cleaning our room. Right. <laughs> also, what people what people don't understand is, They're like, did your mom just love kids? And I'm like, no, not particularly. Who does? I mean, like, I love my kid. I like other kids. But I'm a normal adult who does not choose to spend my time playing with strange children because that's creepy. 
And so when I say to people, yeah, she thought kids were, you know, she respected kids. She, um, but they're like, you mean your mom didn't like to hang out with kids? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> what adult likes? I mean, that's just not normal. I goes, you know, she wasn't lamp chop. She was a woman. She was a, a grown woman with, you know, a life. Um, and she was more interested in the work of performing for and educating kids than she was in uh, some sort of, you know, bizarre play date with people she wasn't genetically connected to. <laughs> well, it's nice to hear that you had a good relationship with her. Yeah. Uh, I, I know April Winchell, who is Paul Winchell's daughter, and does not have lovely things to say about her father. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I, I certainly didn't have a good relationship with her when I was a teenager. But well, well, no teenage, teenage with her mom has yeah. a good relationship with their mother, right? You know, but my mom right. wasn't crazy. I mean, Lamb Chop lived in a Tupperware uh, shoebox in the closet. She didn't have her own room. You know, I mean, like, well, I mean. Candace Bergen's dad, like there was a whole room dedicated to the puppet. And I, I, I imagine that would make a child feel competitive. I never felt competitive with Lamb Chop. She's my little sister. Now, did you have a million Lamb Chop stuffed animals and things like that no, in I, your I, room? And- no, my, my mom put a Lamb Chop in my crib the day I was born. And I put one in my son's crib the day he was born. But... Um, no, I didn't play with the merch. <laughs> People are always surprised and somewhat distressed at the normalness of my sort of upbringing and, and my relationship with my mom and with Lamb Chop. And I always feel bad. I wish I could make up these fabulous stories. But, um, you know, I mean, I had a great time. I traveled with my mom. I toured with her. It, you know, I mean, it definitely was a, a different childhood, but it was just a just a childhood. <laughs> so as a kid, though, would you go, hey, Mom, do lamb chop for me? Do lamb chop. You know, lamb chop used to talk to me sometimes before bed, and I could, you know, tell lamb chop anything, like, oh, I lost my sweater or whatever crime it is a seven-year-old commits. And right. lamb chop never told on me. Mom never found out anything I told lamb chop. Uh-huh. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. So let's go back. Your mom, who was born Phyllis Hurwitz, which is, it's, you know, it makes sense that she'd wind up Sherry Lewis. Yeah. Uh, Now, ladies and gentlemen, Phyllis (laughs) Hurwitz. It doesn't sound as good. My grandpa was Peter Pan, the magic man, the official magician for the city of New York under Mayor LaGuardia. And he was sort of the tail end of vaudeville. Um, And he had a lot of friends who were entertainers and performers. And so um, he also had a full-time job as a professor at the yeshiva. And my grandmother ran the Bronx uh, music department. So they both were working full-time. They were not making a lot of money during the Depression, but they both were working. So Grandpa, being a bit of a big shot, would always like, you know, his friend the juggler needed a place to stay or needed some food or his his friend the fire thrower needed some money. Grandpa would always share. And in exchange, he'd say, yeah, you can come stay with us. Teach Sherry how to juggle. Teach Sherry how to tumble. Teach Sherry how to fill in the blank. And so 
people did. And so she ended up with a vaudevillian's repertoire, um, including dance. She danced with ABT for a while, but at five foot two, she was never going to get out of the chorus or she was five foot tall, actually. And my mom was not a chorus girl. My mom was a prima ballerina or a prima donna, perhaps. But either way, she um, what ended up hitting was the ventriloquism. And so that's how Phyllis Hurwitz became Sherry Lewis. How did Phyllis become Sherry? I understand the Lewis because she was was, married. Yeah, there was a camp that my grandmother ran called uh, Camp Sherry. My grandmother and grandfather ran camps in the summer, which is what teachers did. Right. Um, and that's the name she took. Now, her ventriloquism was amazing. And I don't know, this may be an apocryphal story, but that she studied with some master who taught her some incredibly yeah, difficult I, way I, of doing it. I, I don't think so. I mean, she did study, um, but... Uh, there's there's only one way to do ventriloquism, and that's by not moving your lips. Right. Um, but so, how you, where, where your tongue is and, and that sort of it's, thing. It's not a, um, ventriloquism is a party trick. Creating a character that is alive is an art. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, anybody can do magic. Not everybody can be David Copperfield. David Copperfield tells a story. He has, his magic tricks are emotional. They uh, talk of a time past, a time in the future, a journey taken. Uh, That's why he's David Copperfield. That's why he's the best in the world. It's not just because he can afford, you know, fancy tricks. It's because he is a storyteller. And that's what mom was with Lamb Chop. She created a relationship that, the world fell in love with. Ventriloquism, I don't think it's particularly difficult. I have no idea why so many people are so atrocious at it. But um, <laughs> but the, the thing that Lamb Chop does, or Lamb Chop is, and that I, ha- Lamb Chop and I have a relationship. We tell stories with our comedy and with our music. And that's what makes us, and made mom and Lamb Chop um, different. You know, we, we talk about Edgar Bergen, and I'm sure a lot of my younger listeners don't have any idea who that is. Well, first of all, it's uh, Candace Bergen's dad. And second of all, he was very popular with his, you know, uh, with his dummy, and he had a radio show. Now, think yeah, about that, a ventriloquist well, like, on the radio. It's like a ventriloquist <laughs> during times of COVID. Really? Right. <laughs> really? <laughs> Chop has gotten her Fauci ouchie, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. Just got her booster. Good. So your mom wins like a talent contest when she's, what, 18? You know, I go through it, the it's, internet it's, it's, and, well, and there's differing there will dates be and book, numbers there will everywhere. Be a, a book coming out from University of Kentucky Press, um, early 2022, and a uh, documentary coming out. um, uh, It's being produced by Whitehorse, which produced um, Beatles documentary. It's directed by Lisa Dopolito. 
who um, directed the Love Gilda documentary uh, on mom at approximately the same time. And you will be able to have all of the facts and figures and pictures never before seen. Do you have a lot of footage from her early I have TV shows? Pretty much everything she ever did. Wow. And she was smart enough Actually, to David save Crawford, it? Yeah, she was. My my dad tried to have it all thrown out after my mom died at the behest of his second wife. Uh, but it was salvaged uh. quite literally from the landfill. And um, David Copperfield has been kind enough to uh, store all of it for me in, in a you know, pristine condition. And um, yeah, he's got that museum, so, right? He's got some yes. kind of museum space. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's an amazing museum. It's just incredible. And uh, I've been lucky enough to get the tour a couple of times. It's a private museum. So he does, you know, maybe a half dozen tours um, a year. But my grandpa uh, was one of his early magic teachers. Ah. So, and David started as a ventriloquist. Oh, didn't know that. Yep, yep. Yeah, interesting. But that's what magic is. Magic is the art of mis. I mean, that's what uh, ventriloquism is. It's the art of misdirection. I mean, if I'm looking at Lamb Chop and Lamb Chop decides to talk to you, you're looking at my hand because I'm looking at it. And then when I talk, she looks at me. So um, it is. It is one of the magical arts. People often will say to me, "How come you think ventriloquism is a magical art?" And I said, "Well." I made you think a sock was alive. If that's not magic, I don't know what is. So, what was your mom's process in terms of creating these bits for for the puppets? And would well, she sit at home in front of a mirror for hours, no, just no, practicing no. and perfecting? Um, you know, comedy is 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 very topical, and um. Also, like Lamb Chop would have a different take on the same situation as Hush Puppy would because they're different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so people will often say to me, your comedy is so much more contemporary than your mom's. And I'm like, well, she's been dead 23 years. <laughs> Surely you didn't expect her to have the prescience to make jokes about that fat orange nightmare that was in our life for four years. You know, <laughs> Lamb Chop does because she had to deal with them. God bless uh, Lamb Chop. Yeah, but I, I mean, I was my mom's comedy writer 30 years ago. So it's not like if mom were still around, I wouldn't still be writing the comedy. And But at any rate, she, um, yeah, I mean, she rehearsed. She was incredibly disciplined. You know, she was the one take wonder. But if you do something for 40 years, it's easier than, I mean, I'm sure she spent a great deal more time rehearsing and getting into the character and stuff the first five years she was doing it. Then by the end, I mean, you know. She would do some very intricate yes. things and songs. We do. Like back, back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it's, yes. you know, just tongue twisters and. Uh, and you guys are really good singers, both you and your Thank mom. You. Thank you. And Lamb Chop. And Lamb Chop, yeah. Yeah, she's a little flat. She, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, she's, a little, she's a little, you know, pitchy, as, yeah. <laughs> as Randy Jackson <laughs> would say. What's funny is when I record with Lamb Chop, I have a fabulous guy named Joe G. Ingrosso, um, who does most of my recording and my editing. And Joe said to me one day, he goes, I don't get it. He's a big, you know, he's a New Yorker. He goes, I don't get it. He goes, 
Lamb Chop's got perfect pitch. You're all over the place. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> oh. Did your mom teach you the ventriloquism? No, nobody taught me. Mom passed, and I put Lamb Chop on, and it just was. There mm-hmm. was no... I wish I had a better cute meat story on that, but <laughs> but I don't. That one's just, no. I put her on, she spoke, boom. Now... I read somewhere where when you became a teenager that drugs kind of came into the picture, but it wasn't you. It was your dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My dad was, you know, he was your typical um, sort of very uh, – he was all into the New Age bullshit, and um, he um, – yeah. <laughs> so so you're fine because I, I i i can't imagine sherry lewis being all too thrilled with that no she was not she was not but there was a lot my dad did that she wasn't that thrilled with uh-huh. so, and yet they they stayed together for what they were like married for 40 years 40 years yeah i think you know um divorces are very disruptive and um, my mom was working very hard and was very busy. And I think she loved my dad or at least loved who she had thought he was. And, um, you know, marriages are, are complicated. God knows. I mean, I'm, I'm on number four, but I finally found the right one. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, but I think it's very difficult to be married to 40 for 40 years to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, who wants to talk to the same person for 40 years? <laughs> well, that's why but, you have puppets. Yeah, but that's just me. Um, but, yeah, so, and you let's, never know what's going on inside someone else's head. Let's talk about some other aspects of your mom. She conducted symphony orchestras. She conducted symphony orchestras. She wrote 60 books. Uh, she testified in front of a House subcommittee. She um, With Lamb Chop. Yes. Right, yeah. Lamb Chop is, was talking to the... Yes. Well, yeah. they, they give you three minutes. And, and at the end of Mom's three minutes, Lamb Chop asked for her own time. And Senator Markey said, of course, Lamb Chop. So. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> maybe Lamb Chop is the only one that like a Ted Cruz could listen yeah. to yeah, exactly. <laughs> and understand. Oh, Lamb Chop has a choice few words for Cancun Cruise. <laughs> so. And your mom also co-wrote an episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. She did. Um, Lights of Zetar, uh, season one of the original. Okay. And then my uncle Lanny created the character Roxana Troy, Deanna Troy's crazy mother in... Um, uh, next generation based on every single woman in our family. We are all <laughs> over the top um, and, uh, and and rather um, friendly. <laughs> oh. Well, okay, friendly. <laughs> how does how does one? It seems so random that they would write a Star Trek episode. Were they science fiction fans? Uh, oh, did yeah. they like family. writing drama? Our, our whole family are science fiction fans. Always have been. Uh-huh. Yeah. But your mom was supposed to be in that episode, right? And she yeah, kind of got screwed the, over? She did. The producer's girlfriend ended up with the role. Mom, at, I was at a Star Trek convention 
uh, decades later, you know, with my son. And um, somebody came up to me and said, oh, I was one of the, you know, people on that episode. And I felt so bad that your mom got, you know, screwed out of the role. And I said, yeah, she's still pissed about it. She's been dead 10 years. (laughs) So So your mom had breast cancer. Yep. In the 80s. So she would be like in her 50s, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere where she kind of did her own treatment. No, she did her own treatment. She, what she didn't do is chemotherapy. She took a new drug, a drug that was brand new at the time, called tamoxifen. Um, and tamoxifen, we later found out, you can only take for five years, not 11, because Ooh. if you take for more than five years, you get uterine cancer, which is what killed her. Oh, but she, God. By no means... Mom was all about the science. It's just the science at that time said tamoxifen. Mm-hmm. God, that's just that's just so sad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When she had the uterine cancer, um, I guess the end was like very quick at that point, Six weeks. right? Six weeks. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, she'd obviously had it, but we didn't know. So, you know, yep. Six weeks from diagnosis to passing. Wow. Um, God, that must have been a hard time for you. I was eight weeks pregnant, so yes, it was particularly Oh, my goodness. Difficult. Yeah. Particularly difficult. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She was, what, 65, 66 when she passed she away? 65. We don't really know when her birthday was because she had three birth certificates. Um, okay, well, then that explains it because, like I said, when I would go on the Internet to yeah. do some research as prep for this interview and I'm getting different dates. Yeah. I don't like every website. I'm assuming the whatever the middle date is is accurate cuz I think she probably got a birth certificate so she could saying she was a year older so she could enter one contest and one that said she was a year younger to enter another contest. So I would say the middle one is probably accurate but I don't know. How do you get alternative birth certificates? In the 60s? Yeah. You just walk in and you go, oh, I lost my paper. This is my birthday. There was no internet. There was no, Uh huh. you know. Man, I mean, why it, didn't I do that when my draft number was four? Right? In the why, didn't I just, why didn't I just go into, you know, say, oh, no, it's, it's the wrong uh, well, that's date. What my, that's what my dad did during the Korean War. He was, um, he... Uh, went and lied and said that he had a PhD in education. So he spent the Korean War in Paris um, teaching. Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Quite so the period. When you were a kid growing up, was it really cool at school? Were you kind of a celebrity? Because I oh, assume God, no. I all was of the kids. With, no, I was in school with. Roger Moore's kid. I was in school with the Cassidy kids. I was in school with, uh, I mean, no, you know, mom in Beverly Hills, she was not, she might've been a celebrity to the rest of the world, but in the realm of Beverly Hills, she was not. So what don't we know about your mom? Uh, She was an adventurer. She um, loved hiking. She loved, she hiked to see the Rwanda gorillas. Um, She would try 
She was not physically terribly adventurous. Like she wouldn't ski because she didn't want to break a wrist. You know, she was protective of her body, but she, you know, swam with beluga whales. And she, um, when she was work, when she was on, she was very, very on. And when she was playing, she was very focused on um, playing. She used to swear. Oh, and she used to tell dirty jokes. That's more to the point. Every once in a while, you'd get an F-bomb out of her. But in general, she loved a good dirty joke. Uh-huh. And I imagine um, a good dirty joke, you know, coming out of Lamb Chop's mouth or oh, something yeah. must have been just riotous. Well, I once did a, <laughs> I, I was performing at the Magic Castle and I did a routine where Lamb Chop was drunk. And this woman comes up to me and she goes, your mother would have been horrified about that routine. And I said, madam, my mother wrote that routine. <laughs> it just, it always really makes me laugh that um, people can't see the difference between the persona and the person. Mm-hmm. She was very much a three-dimensional human being. Sure. You know, and uh, which isn't to say that any part that she put forth to the audience was fake because it wasn't. She was incredibly hardworking. She was incredibly focused. She was incredibly talented. But she also liked to have creamed spinach in bed in front of the television, Stouffer's creamed spinach. You know, she also liked um, to go sock shopping with me at the Beverly Center. Like when years that there wasn't a lot of money, mothers and daughters shopped together. So we'd go and we'd buy socks because, you know, how Mm -hmm. bad can you feel about So she was, um, she was a multifaceted person. She used to watch Cheers. (laughs) Yes, she loved Cheers. Okay. All right. 60 minutes every Sunday night. Matter of fact, the family joke was, you know, it'd be, I'm Bob, I'm morally safer. I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. And then my dad would say, I'm Jeremy Tarcher. And my mom would say, I'm Sherry Lewis Tarcher. And I'd say, and I'm Mallory Tarcher. If she were around, what I would want to talk to her about was being involved in the early days of television and doing all those live Local shows, first of all, in New York, and then all those national shows. You know, you mentioned that your mom was the king of the first take. Well, when you do so many shows live, you you, you just have to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Would you talk about that stuff fondly or? Um, You know, I don't think any woman who was a businesswoman in the 50s looked back on it fondly. Like, why? Why? As a second-class citizen, why would you look at that as... I mean, she loved performing. She loved being the belle of New York. But, you know, she was making 10 times what my father made, and he had to co-sign for a credit card. No woman was taken seriously. It's still very... You talk to any woman in any business, and they're going to tell you that the good old days were only good if you were an old white man. They, They are still not good if you are a female or a minority. They're better, but they're not good. Did she look back with fondness or with some bitterness over all of that? Yes. Hmm. You know, yes with fondness and yes with... Mom was never bitter. She was pissed off. Uh-huh. Like, bitter indicates a victimhood. She was, She was. you know... You couldn't look back on the 50s unless, unless you're an old white man 
The 50s were a terrible time to be in business in America. Um, the 60s, slightly better. But it's still, I mean, look at that, that Rittenhouse kid, white kid with a gun, crosses state lines, shoots three people, and gets, gets off. off. Yeah. A black guy selling a goddamn cigarette on the corner, and and they step on his neck until he's dead. So this country is not a place where the good old days were good for anybody who wasn't part of the patriarchy. Right. Well, I have to say your mom brought a tremendous amount of joy to an entire, I would say several generations, probably still. 57 to 99, and I'm still touring around the country before I'm performing with Lamb Chop. That's great. So tell me again where you're going to be performing. Tell me a little bit about this book. I'm going to be just outside of Boston, um, December 2nd, um, and then I'm going to be in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I think. No, December 4th, and then Oshkosh, Wisconsin, first weekend in March. Um, you know, I've been, I haven't been performing for the last two years because uh, people won't wear masks and get vaccinated, so people aren't congregating because they don't want to die. Mm-hmm. But the last group <laughs> that they're going to bring back to performing arts centers are young children and their grandparents. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that now that um, vaccines are available to the littles, that'll change. But you know, people are still being stupid about it. So I don't know that it, it's really going to change much. The And you got a documentary coming out. Documentary coming out. Um, very excited about that. Unbelievable footage. Um, it really tells a very three-dimensional story about mom. Which Do you cool. know when and where that no, will appear? Uh, at this point, we, we um, are, we're fully financed, which is always the key. Um, and with a great production company. So now it's just a question of nailing down the editor and nailing the editor to her chair. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But I'm thinking probably uh, first quarter 2022 for both the book and the documentary. Oh, I, I can't wait for either. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Mallory, this has been so much fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Really enjoyed it. Have a great one. Thanks. And there you go, Mallory Lewis, who is the daughter of Sherry Lewis. Thanks so much for listening this week. Uh, Also, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce, and Jason Miller. You want to get in touch with me, my email address is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Also available on Twitter at Ken Levine, on Instagram, Hollywood, and Levine. We will see you next week. Again, thanks so much for listening to Hollywood and the Fire.